0: Alright, hello and welcome to another episode of the Don't Hate Us podcast. I assume Samir is with us. I see a rotation of images on his screen, not necessarily his beautiful, handsome face, but uh, I'm hoping he'll join us any second now. I am Corey Stillman, alongside me is Dane Holtz and Sam, and are you guys seeing Samir?
1: Yeah, I can see Samir. Samir.
0: Okay, Samir for me is just the little Discord logo. Well, no, he went uh,
1: back to that. He's so annoying. He's starting it up again. Oh, yeah, it just keeps rotating.
0: All right, well, either way, uh, I'm sure I'll get to see him soon enough. We're back for part two of our sort of Oscars decade in review, where we're going to pick what we think deserve to win each Oscar ceremony. Uh, We started uh, started off uh, with the uh, 2011 ceremony, talking about the 2010 films. And we were mostly chalk, I'd say, for most of the way through until we had a pretty heated debate about Matt, mad max fury road to end our previous episode so if you haven't heard that one definitely recommend checking that out where we all get to shit on sam a little bit which uh, as our episodes go on i think you'll realize is one of our favorite pastimes uh I, i'm really excited to talk about this, some of today's ceremonies though i think these next few include some of the most interesting crops of films and some of the best individual films uh, and i'm sure we'll have a lot of fun varied opinions on those but first i just want to ask you guys really quick is there anything interesting that you guys watched in the past week? This is a movie podcast. We're all movie guys, so I'm assuming that we're, that we're we're watching some fun stuff. Uh, care to share anything good that you've seen in the past past week?
2: Well,
1: I'd like to start and say I'm I'm also very excited for you guys to shit on me further. Um, definitely one of my top three favorite kinks. Um, so I'm very similar to OBJ in that manner. Um, <laughs> I of the two of the two uh, watched two movies since our last recording um definitely two different sides of the spectrum I watched The Fox and the Hound the Disney the Disney movie from 1981 and you know as far as gay Disney movies go that is the gayest it is the <laughs> gayest movie I've ever seen it tries so desperately not to be gay um but I remember love I remember loving it as a kid and it's definitely my bisexuality came out in full force cuz I realized it was a super gay movie um watch that with my girlfriend have any of you guys seen that
0: you know i probably have when i was a kid i really out of all the Disney movies, though i don't really have many memories of it
1: dude it's actually pretty good like i was a big (laughs) fan it was like it's like very generic and but it, it was like this really cool um like water like all of the backgrounds are drawn in watercolor and then they animate over that and it was like it was beautiful so yeah it was a pretty generic Disney movie, but super gay, so that was fun. And then I also
2: watched
1: also watched The Favorite for uh to Ooh,
2: make sure yeah. I watched
1: to make sure I watched one good 2018 movie because there were none.
0: I am excited to hear your thoughts on on The Favorite. I have I have a lot of thoughts on that movie. thing what about you? Any watch anything good in the past week?
2: I watched Being John Malkovich for the first time, and I I was a fan. Uh, not as uh, for, as far as Charlie Coffin goes, definitely uh, did not enjoy, enjoy it as much as Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. But I, I did really like it. It was weird as hell. Um, was it a John Cusack is the ma- main actor. Um, He was really creepy, really uh, got under your, your skin in a weird, like, creeper type way. Um, John Malkovich was great. But, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Definitely a, a weird, a weird movie. Uh, if you are interested in crawling down John Malkovich's slimy, conscious brain tube or whatever it is they crawl into.
0: Yeah, I think the weird thing for me with uh, with Charlie Kaufman uh, films, and I sort of went through this because I think most people are introduced to him with Eternal Sunshine. Um, and I love that movie, uh, and that's that's a sad movie, but it's, it's kind of like movie by Jim Carrey, so you sort of forget how sad it might be. Like Charlie Kaufman though, like the deeper and deeper you get into his movies, I think John Malkovich is an example of this, and especially Snatchy New York and Anomalisa and I'm thinking of Ending Things, his newest. You realize that this guy is just like the most depressing writer <laughs> and director. Uh, they didn't direct uh John Malkovich but you know he's just he's just a very depressing creative mind, um, in a yeah. very fascinating well, way, but
2: the- yeah I, I the ending of the of John Malkovich I thought was excellent. Uh, My favorite part of the movie, but also just left you going, that's really dark and disturbing. Uh, And for spoilers, uh, essentially the consciousness, you can, at the end of the movie, they're able to go inside John Malkovich's daughter's consciousness. Um, You can cut that out if uh, we're not spoiling the movie, but it was really, really sad. It's just like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was it was over decades ago, so we should be good. But uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Very weird, very bizarre. Especially all the doll stuff.
1: You didn't like you didn't like seeing like uh, dolls make love to
2: each other on the Brooklyn streets. That's <laughs> dude. When he starts doing it, doing it. When he starts making them dance, I'm just like this. This guy, he. He's anytime he touches a puppet, he's rock hard. Like I can o- only imagine what was happening when the cameras uh, weren't rolling. <laughs> <It> was- <laughs> Samir, uh, are,
1: what's your history with puppets, and how rock hard have you been with them?
3: You see me? I can see you I as well. Okay, so I have two out of three. Sam and Dane can see me. That's all that matters, oh, yeah. really. I'm uh, I'm willing to lose out on Corey.
0: Yeah, i will <laughs> you. I don't look
3: good for him today. Okay. Well, my camera's going to continue to be laggy, but as long as you can hear me. Um Okay, so I Okay, you asked about puppets, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Just wanted a quick brief opinion on I was, puppets.
3: I was in puppetry in second grade and I haven't really I I'm a retired puppeteer is probably the best way I'd put it. Um but in terms of movies went to a scene off
0: the of
1: Yeah, I was like in the second grade. My <laughs> elementary my elementary school did as well. Um really? I did James and the, I did James and the giant peach and my sister fucked up the peach like it was supposed to be like this orange felt that was supposed to cover the screen and my sister tripped and fell through the stage and completely ruined it for everyone. <laughs> and I was so fucking mad at her. We'd worked so hard and she fucked up
3: James and the Giant Peach is also an all-star movie. I love that. I love that movie. If you've seen the movie, movie version, Good it's movie. great. Um But on the on the topic of Charlie Kaufman, I don't know if any of you have heard of it, but he actually wrote a novel called Ant Kind, I think. Um that is Yeah, I wanted
0: to check that out. I did read about it a little bit.
3: Yeah, I mean it's it's supposed to be really great. Um and just super typical of his style so I've been meaning to check that out it's like apparently like 700 pages long so um I'll probably be putting that off for a while but at least I can tell people I've been meaning to check it out so I feel like that's enough um in terms of movies I've seen yesterday I saw a movie um Good that job. was a lot, was definitely long overdue I should have seen this one a really long time ago but ended up watching it and it was one flew over the cuckoo's nest.
2: I've actually never seen uh, that either. I watched so, it for, for the first time in the past year, and really good movie.
3: Yeah, yeah, cool movie. A-
2: yeah, I've only read the book.
3: Yeah, have you have you seen it, Corey? Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up spark noting the book junior year for AP English, and um, I was kind of coming into the movie with like this lukewarm hatred towards the storyline because i was like man like because i i failed the (laughs) shit out of that test so i was kind of left with a bad aftertaste um so i watched this movie and i mean time and time again like i wrote this in my letterbox review i'm doing more of those now by the way but the only actor in my heart um that even comes close to ddl is jack nicholson and Every role that he's in, I just love watching him. Um, and he plays, like, similar characters. Like, obviously, um, his role in The Departed as the Joker, uh, The Shining, and the list goes on of, like, these, like, societal outliers. Like, just really seedy dudes just living on the fringe of of human society. He does that so well. Um, but great movie. Um, I I really enjoyed it. And it made me not want to ever read anything again. Because if movies are so much better than books, why should we even open a book ever again? Because they're so unbelievably boring and lame. <laughs> um, and this is my expert opinion no, honestly, as a dude.
0: It, I, I am movie and watching movies over books. Hence my presence on this podcast. But um, I would, I would encourage you to go back and read that book. I think I actually think that's a really good book. And I would probably give it a yeah. slight edge over over the movie if, if I'm being perfectly honest um that's kind of tough yeah both are it's the rare scenario where both are not only good but both are like critically acclaimed i feel like usually with movies and books one is uh considered much worse than the other
3: yeah yeah i mean i i put this in my review like definitely that movie made me want to reread the book and there's very few times that happens
2: um yeah so great another, movie, really really glad I checked it out. Another uh, <laughs> amazing thing about Cuckoo's Nest is Danny DeVito. Yeah, he's yeah, in it. Paul I didn't even, didn't even realize, didn't even realize. A little less troll looking, but, <laughs> but still troll. Um, yeah. <laughs> good, yeah. for, good for him.
3: Yeah. And this movie came out in like 1975. So he looks like almost unrecognizable. Like, yeah in the whole movie apart from I'm, Danny to be
0: recognizable. all a pretty recognizable yeah guy. I
2: know.
0: yeah, yeah i'll just rapid fire real quick i watched um there's just three that i'll just mention really briefly i watched the movie amore uh which is the michael haneke film that we touched on last week i felt guilty having not seen like any 2012 films uh despite our conversation about it watched it loved it highly recommend it uh, i watched aaron sorkin's new film the trial of the chicago seven Interesting one that I definitely encourage everybody to watch, uh, especially considering our conversation about Sorkin last week. I think this one definitely relates to it uh, and definitely would add to it in some interesting ways. Um, if it even if it doesn't necessarily help Sorkin's case, I don't know. I'd be curious to hear you guys' thoughts on it. Maybe we can do an episode on it at some point. And then today I watched After Hours, the Martin Scorsese film, which is not one of his more popular films. It's basically like a screwball comedy. Uh, and it's really it's in some ways it's similar to his other films in the way it depicts New York City But it's so different in that it's so lighthearted and just kind of going straight for the laugh uh, But it really good honestly probably saves <laughs> films. I really really enjoy it uh, And you could definitely see the influence from guys like the sappy brothers like it reminded me a lot of good time and uncut gems And, and those kinds of films so yeah, that's some of what I watched in the past week We watched a pretty diverse crop of films, but we're gonna go a little bit uh, back in time here, uh, around four years or so, and start with the 89th Academy Award. Again, as always, this took place in 2017, but it's about the film from the year before.
1: It's the love of my life, Ali Lowy, I'm up here because of you. I love you so much. It's my family, maman, papa, Jeff, homage, je vous adore. Matt Pluff you kicked this off, and Damien Chazelle, we're standing on your shoulders. We lost by the way, but you know. You know.
2: Guys, guys, I'm <laughs> sorry. No, there's a, this, there's a mistake.
1: Moonlight, you guys won best picture. <laughs> Moonlight won. Come on, this is not a joke.
0: Come this up. is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is not a joke. Moonlight has won best picture. Moonlight, best picture. And I'm really excited to talk about this ceremony, guys. I think this is uh, one that I know we're all passionate about different films here. And I think there's a lot of of overlap in our passion. But let's get right into it and and hear uh, what everybody thinks. So just running through the nominees here, we have Manchester by the Sea. We have Lion. We have La La Land. Hidden Figures. Hell or High Water. Hacksaw Ridge. Fences. Arrival. And the winner that year was Moonlight over La La Land. I'm sure we'll always remember the big mix up there. Again, talking about sort of iconic moments in the Oscar ceremonies, that's definitely, I think the announcement of this winner will always be one of the most iconic ever. Uh, Was that the right decision? Did Moonlight deserve the Oscar that year? Let's let's go around real quick and hear what everybody thinks.
1: Um. For the past week, um, I have had a knot in my stomach. A knot, I say. Because when I say that my two favorite movies of all time are in this year, I completely mean it. Two movies that like have deeply impacted my life. Um, and that would be Moonlight and La La Land. And at this point, I still don't know which one deserved it more. And it seems like the Oscars didn't either, which is kind of fitting. But I will have to say, if I gun to my head, one movie to watch the last movie to watch for the rest of my life, it would be La La Land. Wow. That's going to surprise a walking. lot of people. I she's think shocking. what yeah, the I'll
0: Daniel, say the listeners at home: Anybody who knows Sam knows how passionate he is about the movie Moonlight. So that shocked me just now to hear it. I'm curious to hear your... your uh, you know, my dog uh, had dropped.
1: Yeah. And, and I knew it would be shocking for me to say it. And, and But I'll, I'll say this very, very strongly. The Oscars did not get it wrong by picking Moonlight. No, by any stretch of the imagination, Moonlight is a masterpiece. Like I said, it's,
2: you know, favorite slash second favorite movie ever. Um, I just I mean, Discord knew I was about to
1: give a bad opinion, and they just were like, <laughs> "We got to shut him off." Before please, geez, please don't. They were like, "Please shut him off yeah. from right. talking about two white yuppies in LA." Um, but like, I'm I'm just saying, like, I was drunk maybe last week, and I was like, "What movie am I gonna watch?" I was like, "It's either La La Land or Moonlight," and I went just gun to my head. I'm going to pick La La Land. Like I just like there's something about that movie. It's it's inexplicable. My girlfriend fucking hates that movie. Like she 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 and I get in fights about it all the time. But dude, like I got drunk and then just like you ever just cry so hard that you <laughs> think you might choke. That's like the last 20 minutes of La La Land affect me in a way that like I don't think any movie ever has or maybe ever will. Like I just dude I listen to like wow. the score dude I listen to the score when I go for runs. Like
2: I, I do just, like actually I, I do
0: listen to the score of that movie. I think it has a I mean it's not it, it is a musical so this is, should be a given do, but it, it does is, have an incredible soundtrack. Yeah.
2: So I listen good. to uh, I listen to the score while I do homework. Dude, it's yeah. so good. City I mean, of my girlfriend
0: always makes fun of me cuz I I just, for some reason the jingle City of Stars I always gets stuck in my head. So we could just so, be sitting there doing nothing, and all of a sudden, I'll just be going, city of stars.
2: <laughs> Damn, Corey, that was pretty
0: good. But, uh, no, but, like, if that was good, that's the
3: best
2: i What I've are your ever day done. job? <laughs> yeah,
1: dude, you're the new Ryan Gosling. That's amazing.
3: Move to LA. Ryan
1: Gosling is Even the new more Corey. More okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, everyone, so we're starting it off. How, you can shit on me now. What do you think of my horrible opinion about La La Land over Moonlight? But... With the caveat, if anyone hears this, that Moonlight is easily one of my top three, fav- two, top two favorite movies ever. Well,
2: yeah, going- I mean, oh, go ahead, Corey.
0: No, I mean, I was just want to say that clearly, this is a toss-up that the Academy had itself. I mean, I think everyone knew going into that night it was going to be one of these two movies that won the award, and so the sort of conflict you find yourself in, uh, I think, is a is a shared one amongst a lot of people. I think like you said, the Academy did make the right decision and I would lean Moonlight between the two. It doesn't mean that Moonlight would be my personal pick out of this group just to kind of bury uh, the lead a little bit, but I don't think that you're making as outrageous of a decision as uh, as you might think, just because I do think that was, a lot of people were split between these two, especially when you sort of consider what the Oscars go for. Moonlight is the furthest thing
2: from what we yeah. expect the Oscars to award yeah. each and every year. Yeah. Um. Going off with what you said, Sam. Like, I'm I'm shocked that you didn't pick Moonlight, but I personally would also go with La La Land. I think, I mean, Moonlight and La La Land both. If you put them in like 2012, 2011, I think would easily take best best picture for either one of them. Uh, I think, certainly, think Moonlight was the right decision for best picture. I think they were both equal. For me. It's coming down to, I think, Moonlight is a movie that is so emotionally weightful the entire time that it's, for me, sometimes hard to come back for another viewing because you're kind of putting, you're in a situation where you're like, all right, I'm sitting down for two hours and I'm literally going on a emotional roller coaster of just a ton of different feelings it's beautifully shot the story's excellent i all around just I love the film but for me la la land i saw la la land in theaters the last 20 minutes of that movie just with the the montage sequence and all the singing i was listening to the soundtrack for for days and days it's a fun it's for me it's fun and I'm a huge musical guy and coming back to it for like repeated viewings, I get enjoyment every time I see it. Uh so that's that's my piece. I am personally like en- enjoy watching Lola Land a little bit more.
1: Samir You're please fine.
2: dear god say
1: moonlight then. I don't we cannot have anyone not say moonlight. Yeah. Um I will say moonlight. <laughs> good. Good. good.
3: <laughs> I, I mean and I, and I, I'm not even being like like is that you or is that because Sam pressured you? <laughs> well, it's I'll, not I'll fight Sam you if you don't. Me. And I will also include this hot take. I personally just struggled to see the hype around La La Land. Um while I don't I, I I can't say that I hate it or anything, but in terms of the story, it seemed um you know, it it wasn't anything I I remembered that much. If I had to pick one movie that comes really close to it for this year, um, my pick, I'm going with Moonlight for sure. Um, it would either be Fences or Manchester by the Sea. And I say Fences because Fences is probably the movie out of all of these that I've watched the most. I think I've seen it three times. Um, and I really enjoyed the play originally by August Wilson. I think the movie um Denzel Washington's adaptation of it is just so brilliant and he's so good in the movie um that it it makes it really hard for me I think Moonlight is a better film um overall and for Manchester by the Sea that's really up there too because I think really someone like me performances I think end up contributing to like about how much I end up liking the movie and Casey Affleck man like this movie is so good with him in it he just that role um and it's by Kenneth Lonergan who's who's a favorite of mine um but I would say yeah, I, theater to guys. I
0: know you gotta love Lonergan as a theater guy
3: yeah. yeah and um one thing in my time really briefly that I also wanted to point out that I don't think we've mentioned yet um on this podcast and I think it's pretty important is the Oscars so white um controversy that I think actually I looked it up, it occurred the year prior to this, like the controversy itself um, for last year's ceremony, which I think, I mean, I don't know if it's like, I I don't know if this explains why, but you can see that for the best pictures for 2016, um, there's a lot more um, black-centered stories than we usually get. And that's definitely a good thing, Um, but we don't really see it, after in 2017, 2018, which we'll get to. Um, Again, like I I don't know if it was in response to the pressure, but I do wanna say on their own right, these movies are all phenomenal. And I'm talking about um, Moonlight, uh, Fences, Hidden Figures. Um, So yeah, so we have three, which unfortunately is is more than average for most years, but just something I thought um, we could mention as a part of our discussion of this year.
0: But Yeah, yeah and I think that that is why Moonlight is well. It can never be disputed as the correct choice, right? No matter no matter I which could. film you prefer, it in the context of not only how great of a film it is and, is, and its deserving on its own merit, but in the context of uh, like you said, some of the controversy around the Oscars and just society at large, Moonlight was the, is the perfect film, if anything, to recognize this year.
1: I don't know about you guys, but. Going through 2016, I was honestly like, ups, like I was getting physically frustrated at the idea that we had to that these year movies were only confined to this year. Like these, there are so many good movies in 2016. I was, that that was five, my... five or six of these movies win 2015 easily, win 2012 easily, dude. Shit, like Heller High Water wins probably 3 out of the 4 past years and that movie is probably my 7th favorite from this this list like arrival i didn't watch it yeah, but i hear well, here, on that I hear front it's i i
0: i need i people want to mention cuz i didn't actually say which film I, w- I would choose as close as i would i came to to sticking with moonlight as the winner arrival to me is is the greatest sci-fi film of of this century yeah, wow
2: really? I, I, I really oh, think it's I, agree
0: it's, with Corey? it's that good and i i think as someone who, who loves sci-fi when it's at its best, but gets very frustrated with sci-fi in most of its its uh, iterations, I think Arrival to me is the greatest feat of the, of this year, and that is that's why I, I'll, for the purposes of our conversation, I would choose it as as my choice. Again, I, it's hard for me to say they got it wrong with Moonlight. They wouldn't have gotten it wrong with La La Land. They wouldn't have gotten it wrong uh, with Manchester by the Sea, or or really any any of the other great films. But um, my choice would be Arrival, uh, because to me the the greatest snub this year, and I'll just say this is uh, you know about performances like Samir was talking about, was Amy Adams not even getting a nomination for Best Actress? Mm-hmm. Amy Adams is, not? is really? incredible in Arrival, and she's she's one of the best actresses of our generation, and has yet to win an Oscar. Yeah. Uh, I think it's coming for her at some point, but this really should have been the film. It's sort of like how. Uh, Leo got recognized for The Revenant, but we all knew that was kind of for The Wolf of Wall Street and all his other previous performances. Whenever Amy Adams wins that one, you know it's going to be for everything that came before it. I think Rival's sort of the top of, uh, or is is at least her at the height of her powers. Uh, Mm -hmm. Same goes for Denis Villanueva, uh, who's a great, great director, and again to me, just does something with sci-fi here that no other director has um, ever been able to, or or has has been able to replicate um, after him. And I'm hoping to see him do it again, you know, upcoming with something like Dune. We saw him yeah. you know, do something incredible played around in 2049. I love that film. That takes nothing away again from just how great Moonlight is. It was that was just as you struggled, Sam, and I think everybody here seemed to sort of struggle between two or three films. I really struggled with this one.
1: Dude, those movies, yeah, like they're all if if you're listening and you haven't watched like five or, like there's five or six movies that are that are in my all-time top 20 like best best movies 2016 is by far my favorite year um for movies 2019 being close but 2016 is just like there's nothing really else and yeah and and just ending we can go to 2017 after this but but moonlight is really if you haven't watched that um just unbelievable so beautiful uh the score is so good the way that they film uh black bodies and how like the color actually pops because to samir's point about like the Oscars so white like very historically like black skin is very matte and not beautiful in most films and they it's very white centered but moonlight is colorful it's beautiful it's sad it's happy it's everything it's it's one of the best movies ever made
3: yeah, and just real quick to add on to what Sam said, Moonlight is actually adapted from a story, or I think it might be a novel called Black Boys Shine
1: Blue. Yeah, I think it's it was. A play. It's, it's a yeah, it's a play. Yeah, it's and a, a lot of the writer of the
0: play is also like he adapted it himself. It's Terrell Alvin McCraney, I
3: mm-hmm.
2: think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of that also, his
3: work is based on Creole and Louisiana mythology, um, like his prior works and stuff. But I, I just think even the title is interesting, and the way he plucked moonlight out of that, because as Sam was saying, lighting is light, and like the way light reflects off of things is so central, not only to the way the movie looks, but literally like the core thematic focus of the movie. Um, so it's it's at once clever and so impactful and poignant um that you know they were able to make this kind of movie and it looks as pretty as it does and the pretty also means something it doesn't end at the surface but it's literally at the core of the story so absolutely For, for
2: everyone there like listeners like every movie in 2016 check it out i mean easily five of them any other year would have been Best Picture winners, and except
0: for Hacksaw Ridge, because fuck Mel Gibson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, 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 not,
2: a, not a not a very good movie. not not one of those five. Yeah. I'm in, you, definitely not in those five I was talking about. But yeah, the movies that we talked about all all excellent and worth cool. a watch. Yeah, on, onwards. Yeah.
0: yeah, moving on. So yeah, this is another year. Sam just referred to 2016 as by far his favorite year, uh, with 29, 2019 being a, a close second this is another year though, that i think that uh could could really uh, be in the running for that that sort of label it has a really fun crop of films i think some of 2017's best don't actually make it onto this list but i'm curious to hear what everybody thinks about these 2017 films
3: and the oscar goes to
0: <laughs> the shape of water So looking at the Oscars for this next year, our nominees are Three Billboards outside Ebbings, Missouri, The Post, which we talked about this last episode, yet again just another Spielberg movie that uh I don't think is, is memorable in the way uh some of his previous films have been. Phantom Thread, Lady Bird, Get Out, Dunkirk, Darkest Hour. And the, uh, oh, call me by your name. Sorry. And the winner that year was Guillermo del Toro's The Shape of Water. I'll yeah. say it right now, and I'll let you guys uh, provide yours. They got it right this year. What? They absolutely got it right this not, year. Not All right. fucking I'm excited, to
3: debate, it, fucking I'm excited to debate it, but fucking I'm excited shot. to debate it because I knew and disagree. We're going to have a debate. Yeah. it no. right
2: this year. Yeah, I, like, dude, fuck I, that. Uh, no. Okay. So, I want everything first because I like the expression right, on his face. All right, um, I two things. One thing on here that I think should have been nominated it did get nominated for adapted screenplay, but I think Logan should have been nominated. And personally, I think it is better than a handful of movies up there. And if any movie could have, uh, Logan just phenomenal. Logan's phenomenal. Uh, love it love so much. You. But uh, moving on, uh, so The Shape of Water. I saw The Shape of Water in theaters, and it had one of the most uncomfortable movie experiences I've ever had. So, sit down, go by myself because I'm a loner, and no one wants to see. No one wanted to go with me. Um, but I sit down. Yeah, I know. It, for me, um, and movie's going great. I'm really enjoying what I'm, I'm watching so far, and then the the part where she starts having sex with the fish comes on mm. at this point prior, there had also been like several scenes where the main character is just masturbating in her tub, and while the fish sex scene is going on, you get to my left I, no, I did <laughs> to my left about three chairs away was this old couple who was probably about 78 years old <laughs> th- between the both of them um, and I heard one of the move and like my mind just like went like that and I looked over and the lady like made eye contact with me while the sex scene was going on <laughs> and then she just like grabbed her husband's hand and then I slowly oh my moved God. my head back to the screen It was just like that Was so bizarre. I can't believe that just happened. Why did she do that? It's like she, I was like, that was purposeful. (laughs) So just absolutely disturbed after that. But I 100% agree with Corey that the shape of water, they definitely nailed it this year. Um, All around, I just really fucking loved this movie. And kind of everything that went into it and Guillermo del Toro finally getting recognized for his brilliance and for what i think is one if one of his if not his most brilliant film so
0: yeah yeah del Toro is just to me such an accomplished such a Mm -hmm. beautiful director of um mostly you know what i would call romantic horror films Mm -hmm. and with the shape of water like you said, it does sort of feel like a perfect culmination of his talents, of his ability for uh, visual effects, uh, and just love of cinema. I mean, the movie or, or the scene when when uh, the the fishman is just in the theater staring at the screen. Yep, yep. That is. I mean, there are a lot of movies that show movie theaters within films, but that shot of him in the movie theater. If if you're watching that in a movie theater yourself,
2: mm-hmm.
0: that. Is one of, to me, the most powerful, like yeah. sh- chilling yeah. shots
2: I've ever seen in in a film. I am just gonna, before Sam shits on us, uh, so I'm getting getting these in now. Metaphorically, yeah. I'm gonna talk about also what I love. I, yeah. So this movie to me was just pure cinema. There's the theater scene, but also just how all the sets were designed for apartment. The way the camera moved throughout everything um, there's the one moment where the the room's filled with water and the camera's just like moving very like fluently through the the water and then you have his uh, Gamma del Toro's like lifelong partner uh, is it Doug Jones who plays yeah. the the fish? Um, the choice to do that practical uh, the makeup just everything it it was a movie that just felt so whimsical. And beautiful watching, like it really was. As much as like, La La Land is considered like a a swan song. The the Hollywood, I think, uh, The Shape of Water very much is a swan song to just cinema as a whole. And watching that movie, it's just such a such a su- strong sense of nostalgia whenever you watch it.
0: Yeah, um, movie magic is a sort of overused phrase, but. It really is a case of movie yep. magic with, for a lot of the reasons that you, you outlined, a lot of the things that Del Toro is able to do. Mm-hmm. That was and, um, Samir, Sam, please tell us why we're wrong. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just uh, happy. This is my first time ag- agreeing with the decision the Oscars made. So I'm just glad to know that at one point they were able to do something right. But let's hear why they, w- they might have still been wrong.
3: You know, I really love Guillermo Del Toro. And before we talked about this idea, which I think is a really powerful idea um, of people getting nods in years that you wouldn't expect them to, in years that maybe they shouldn't have gotten the nod, but you completely agree with the fact of them getting it. Um, And I think we talked about Amy Adams or, you know, how she hasn't gotten her due yet. Um, The other person we will, like, I should probably mention is Roger Deakins who like has Mm. been in the race for like 20 years and finally got nominated or he finally won for, I think Blade Runner 2049 um i think it
0: was 1970 did he win yeah, before that for blade runner 2049
3: i'm i'm not sure i i was under the impression that it was blade runner 2049 but he very yeah. well could, i know he shot us. i, he I well think it blade is, blade
2: is. I'll, I'll do a little fact check
3: um yeah fact check. so anyways i think that team, right. del toro i'm completely obsessed with his work and the fact that he's such a big fan of hp lovecraft to me is like okay like he really understands, um, or like, I, I completely under, I understand what he's going for and what he's saying
1: shit on them. Go for it. Fuck them up.
3: I'm getting there. <laughs> and I really like, you know, his vision and all of that, but this movie just did not do it for me. Um, Facts. I think, you know, like in terms of the story and all of that, I, I just, I, I couldn't connect to it. And honestly, I thought there was a lot of drag in the screenplay. Um, there were moments of like that where I felt that movie magic, but I, I didn't think it deserved to be Best Picture. Um I'm gonna limit my rant to this to a very small amount, but I think one of the best movies of this year didn't even get nominated for Best Picture. That is Florida Project. I, I was I mean, gonna say that. Uh, the Florida Project is like again one of my like all time favorites in terms of just completely capturing like slice of life like you you have people that say slice of life and it's used so much now that it barely carries any meaning but there's movies like florida project um and even sean baker's previous film tangerine that really like they mean slice of life when they say slice of
0: life um but because that was not nominated. at least we agree on something that is a great movie
1: yeah, yeah. wait can um, i can i hop in on this or are you gonna talk about what your favorite is Go, you you can jump in if it's Florida Project uh, fanboy. Okay, well, okay, okay. Well, I, I do love the Florida Project, and I was gonna say R.I.P. Florida Project and Coco. Those were my two favorite movies mm. from this year. Uh, neither were nominated. Um, not super shocking, but I, there's no way that a movie like Florida Project would ever win. But uh, mm. I just want to like, dude, I didn't I didn't dislike The Shape of Water. Like, I wouldn't go that far. I do like Guillermo del Toro like I love Pan's Labyrinth but I don't know man like and and it it's like I'm not rebutting with any actual point so it's like it's we're not even going to really have a discussion besides the fact that I just was not really sold on it but yeah I don't I just remember watching it and being like yeah that was fine and then after it won I went wait that one after Call Me By Your Name and like U Bird, which I both felt way more of an emotional connection to than than The Shape of Water. I'm glad they gave a sci-fi movie a nod, but it to me it felt like very it's it's very similar to when um, uh what's his name won for The Revenant. Um, what the fuck, uh, Leo. Yeah, Leo, Leo? Yeah, when Leo won for The Revenant, it felt like they were just like, yeah, we fucked up in the past. Here you go. I was yeah. like, because
0: yeah. so I don't know about that though, because right. I don't think Del Toro is even the kind yeah, of director he'd he, be thing. on the Oscars radar with movies like yeah. Hellboy and mm-hmm. The Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth. These are movies that the Oscars would largely ignore because, like you said, they are so grounded in sci-fi. I, if, again, he is a, a popular director who um, is worthy of recognition, and I could see why you could view it as, as a recognition of his larger body work. But the Oscars feeling like they owe it to him isn't really. I don't think would be um, a knock on, on the shape of water. I think they would only recognize a film like that if they felt like it, it checked off enough boxes for them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah uh, they I can think, that, think
1: that, but I, I'm saying personally, I didn't think it was deserving. Like they, they can totally feel like, which again
0: surprised me because I think it has a lot of similarities to La La Land in terms of yeah. its um, just sort of like, again, movie magic. I know that's, that's a kind of a, a vague phrase, but it's, um, it's set the um, way it's and sequence and black and white in the middle of the movie and the yeah, way the camera can flow through spaces. Uh, it's it's doing a lot of really ambitious things that uh, again, I, I think people like in maybe flashier movies but for some reason I don't know, of Water got a lot of like, it got boiled down a lot to a sort of oh, that mean the, the fish fucking movie? And I yeah. really think that's sort of it yeah. because it deserved a lot
2: better than that.
3: Yeah, I Corey, think,
2: I want to
3: Oh, go ahead. Yeah,
2: you can go, Dean. I I was gonna say, Corey. I just want to get your opinion on how emotionally attached you were to the movie. Because personally, I wept like a baby at the end of this movie. I I, I, I mean, I I cried. No, I'm I'm with you.
0: I think the central romance itself may not be as engrossing as, say, something like a La La Land or a, a Moonlight, even. But it's it's characters as individuals. I mean. Sally Hawkins' character, you feel for her so immensely. The, the biggest uh, um, or the, really the two others that aren't talked about enough are Octavia Spencer's character, is a, is a her journey is heartbreaking. But Richard Jenkins, mm-hmm. um, and his entire experience um with the uh, the the younger man who works in the pie shop where he goes to get a slice of pie, and, and his whole sort of like coming to terms with his sexuality. Is such an amazing subplot and to me that's where i i, I wept like a baby i yeah. so i feel very emotionally connected to this, to this film and again another, like we mentioned earlier it's not just about the emotional connection to the characters but also to the, the movie's love for for cinema uh and, and just kind of creativity as a whole it's it's a really ambitious
2: film uh, i another michael shannon as like the the bad guy was also oh, yeah. so so convincing to me and I-, I loved it even more because he took on the role of, like, the um, the 1960s, like, super capitalist business guy who's just like, no, fuck the animal. We're going to experiment on it. We want to make money off of it. We're going to use it as a weapon of war. And just that whole kind of experimentation aspect to it and kind of its uh, reflection on uh, American society. I or just like idealism. I I love that as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess to, to each his yeah, own. I yeah, watched what was it, your I swear, was what like, was
1: yours favorite?
3: Well, I'll say that I, I watched this shape, shape of Water, and my immediate instinct was I really want to replay Bioshock. And, <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> that's a great I also love that game.
3: So that could influence
1: you. Yeah. Your,
3: a great game. Um, but my favorite movie this year, talking about compelling romances, um, Call me by Let's your name.
1: Go. Let's go, Samir.
3: And I just, my my love for this movie is just completely unending. I think we were talking about hard-ons earlier if I, um whole time, the whole movie.
1: Army hair,
2: dude.
3: Army, we were also definitely.
2: talking about giant. Um, yeah. yeah. And there's a exceptional there, peach scene in this movie. There's a
3: phenomenal peach scene that is worthy of 10,000 rewatches. But I don't know, like, I think in terms of, like, Pretty movies and movies that are just so engrossingly beautiful. Personally, I'm going to say, again, this is a big statement, but I don't think I've seen a movie that's more exteriorly beautiful to me than Call Me By Your Name. Just because I love that, like, I love the frame ratio and that, like, 1980s Italy setting. Um, and just the way they capture things in that movie just even – like light hitting the blue water that glistens just the perfect amount so that it doesn't look fake but it also looks like a dream like the whole thing feels like a dream um the soundtrack oh my god like I so it
1: I kills it i I can
3: make another like we can do another podcast literally just a whole podcast on the soundtrack um but really really love this movie and that would you know have to be my pick but still mad that the Florida project didn't get nominated.
2: Yeah,
1: I'll, I'll I'll be quick too and say Call Me by Your Name is, is definitely my favorite from this year. Uh, Lady Bird was a fairly distant second. Um I love Call Me by Your Name. Uh, it feel, to me, Call Me by Your Name is like falling in love for the first time. Like it's just a movie that feels like a summer young romance. And like the performances are amazing. Like Timothy Chalamet's is so good. Army Hammer is so good. Like it's just a very it's sweet and sensitive and it's like, it could be like, it could have so easily been so dramatic. Like it could have been like, oh no, the parents find out or something like that. Like a very like love Simon, like tedious, like LGBTQ film. But um, it just, t- it just shows a very honest and sweet depiction of, of love. Um, yeah. I love great. that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good.
0: Well, I wish I spent less time how much I love the shape of water, so I could dedicate the next five minutes to to a, a rant here on Come by Your Name. But I really don't feel very passionate about this film. I, I've tr- I've watched it three times because you know, friends in my life, such as you two and so many others, have told me that this film is perfect, it's beautiful, it's so many things. But Samir actually made my argument for me. He said it is the it has the most beautiful exterior of any film we've ever seen. And he's right, it's nice and it's colorful and it's bright and it's shiny but where is the interior to this film because i can't find it it is it is a movie that looks really good that features by the way a not very good army hammer performance a really not like a really not very good performance from army hammer an amazing one from timothy chalamet um and one of the best endings to a film out of this group i mean the final shot of 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 chalamet um and, and the final conversation between him and his father amazing 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 So scene. good, but the movie as a whole it, to me just does very very little i actually find the relationship we're going to talk about um a fish and a, and a deaf woman being a slightly odd relationship uh i thought this relationship was probably like like if we're really talking about it in terms of our actual societal context it's still it maybe problematic. a little creepy and might be a little is actually kind of problematic um but even if you're willing to look past that i just find this to be a very a very flat film Uh, that does look shiny on the outside
2: yeah i'm gonna pick up after Corey and say that i did enjoy call me by your name but i don't i watched it and i was like oh that that was good i feel like the first like half hour 45 minutes uh is exceptional and then as the movie goes on it like samir said like it really delves into the art of the movie and by all means like the film is beautiful the whole way through i often found myself getting a little bit distracted by how much they paid attention to it and i think before like the the final moments of the movie like leading up into that i kind of started falling off in my with how my attention was and just not really being super interested that being said i was so just captivated by timothy chalamet's performance but had no real connection to army hammers um i kind of thought he was just like in the movie to cause problems and like heartache or love for timothy chalamet i didn't really see him as a co-star it was kind of just like he was there to drive the plot forward um yeah so if anyone would like to comment on on that
3: Sam I'm gonna give it to you
2: well i'm just i'm I'm frankly rethinking
1: a couple of my relationships with two people <laughs> on this <laughs> podcast because
2: Listen,
1: in i don't previous in, pre- in previous times it's like maybe I didn't pay attention to um mad max fury road maybe i just you know you know, granted me I, w- I was pretty blitzed when i watched it like maybe i just wasn't paying attention and what's it called but now you're gonna tell me that a shape of water is good and but call me by your name is bad no i don't think not I'm here bad. Not, I just don't No, think- dane, i do i do i do dane, <laughs> dane you've said en- dane you've said enough Corey, you've said way too much yeah. <laughs> and and simply That's simply, I, it, to. I, I think we should just go to 2018 because I think this is an irreparable damage to our relationship. Yeah, I, I, I am a okay with
3: that. Well,
2: hold, okay. So
3: without without lagging too much, and hopefully we can keep this brief. I think I would feel like we probably can't. So shitty if I didn't <laughs> even mention this. Like it would eat me up for the rest of however long this podcast series will run. If we don't mention Get Out. Um, and I think that the like the only thing I will say about it is that this movie is very like I think it was very rightfully deserved the nomination um, in terms of changing the way we view kind of this thing called a satire film or a social horror film. Um, super innovative and also you know kickstarted in terms of its like what an original screenplay that can like what an original screenplay can do at the box office. Because I think, you know, we got a lot of those movies in like the eighties and nineties with like true lies and stuff where we'd have truly in that sense, original movies and original concepts um, really connect with the public in a way that like a big, you know, a big budget Disney movie would. And it would just completely like rock the way people thought about concepts like horror and like, you know, being afraid of not just white people, but those liberal white people that are like,
0: yeah, I would have voted for Obama in the third term. And, you know, seeing that <laughs> yeah. was like- A great shit. story about that. I don't know if yeah. you know, is that Bradley Whitford who played that character didn't know that that was a joke when he read the line. Really? <laughs> no, and, and yeah. no, he you know didn't really. That is? Like, That's amazing.
3: I think that yeah. itself is a testament to how smart the commentary and how sharp it is And the fact that it was such a success means that not only was it sharp and biting, but it cut to the core, and a lot of its target audience didn't even know that the joke was about them. And I think that's true when Jonathan Swift's Gulliver's Travels came out. Some of the best satires ever made came out. When a lot of it, like, it went over, like, the ruling elite. And this is certainly a movie that punches up. That's all I'll say about it.
0: Okay.
2: Get Out is fantastic. It definitely needs to be touched on
0: sure yeah um i'll i'll end this talk about 2017 with one last hot take that i won't explain at all i'm hoping we'll talk about horror in a future week so we can talk about the jordan peele's films and get out a little bit more but i don't like Get out very much and i'll just i'll just Ooh. i'll leave it at that just just to mm. uh for one last hot take in because i feel like i'm on a roll today
1: good but good.
0: anyway let's move on to the following ceremony I think out of the ones we're talking about this episode, we can all agree this is the weakest crop of films. And we can also agree that the winner that year was definitely the incorrect decision. It's just a matter of which film did we all like instead. Oh, and the Oscar goes to Green Book. (laughs) Let's get into it. So our nominees this year are Vice, A Star is Born, Roma. The favorite, which we know Sam watched earlier. Curious to hear his thoughts on that. Bohemian Rhapsody, which I'm just I please, I beg of you, please none of you pick this terrible, terrible film. Easily the worst Oscar film of, of at least the last decade. Um really the only film that rivals it that year is probably the winner that year, which is Green Book. The last two nominees being Black Klansman and Black Panther. Who do we think deserved it this year, guys? Was it Green Book? Please say no. 2018,
3: I completely feel the same way as Corey and probably everybody else on this podcast, and that this might have been like my least favorite year after 2015. Um, and I think it's really open and shut for me in terms of what I think deserved it. And that movie is Roma. Um, I, I really, really love this movie. And the decision is just super easy for me because it made me feel things that none of the other movies um in this year even came close um i really enjoyed black panther but i think roma really just makes it such a clear decision for me and i think if you haven't checked out this movie i know we did a we did a movie draft which i completely got uh destroyed and um anyways i'm not going to go into that but i lost because of roma what and <laughs> and because <laughs> many people haven't seen roma and Despite its Netflix release, I still, still think it's criminally underseen. So all the viewers um, or listeners, I guess I should say, uh, if you haven't seen Roma, check out Roma because it is a, it's a it's such a poetic movie that I think that even people without an understanding of Spanish culture and migrant culture and um, the culture of people that kind of work in like the... Um, class system of hispanic speaking or Spanish speaking countries um understand i think that this is just a movie that really is has that inherent relatability to it um again beautiful movie i think you know everybody should watch it clear decision for me i'm gonna say roma and i will be back shortly discuss
0: Okay. Cool. Yeah, Dane, d- Sam, I want to hear your guys' thoughts uh, on wh- who you think would win this year, but let's talk about Roma really quickly because yeah. I I do agree with Smear that it is a film that, despite having the most accessibility out of any of these these films, um, it you know it had a Netflix release from the start. It is a criminally underseen film.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I know I have
0: my thoughts on it. Where do you guys stand on Roma?
1: I will say Roma is what like top five most disappointing viewing experiences in the past like five years. I think this movie is good and that's it I think it's a good movie I don't think it's a great movie I don't think it's an amazing movie it's like the character of Cleo was just very disappointing to me like you can like the act I forget the actress's name she is phenomenal she's so good and she would have she should have won best actress for that year um, I'll look it up right now because she, she should definitely get a shout out on this
0: Alicia uh,
1: yeah yeah she's so good but her character has very little depth outside of like what happens to her if that makes sense like she's a character wrapped around the like the the events that we can see but there's not you don't go into much knowing about her and i, I can't really say after watching the movie you know that much more about her things just happen to her and she like reacts to them but uh, like I I was disappointed, I'm going to be honest. Like I thought the movie was good, but and and the cinematography is like holy shit. Like the scene of her like fixing up the house and how it's one continuous shot in a circle. That was like one of the most engaging. Like that was the most engaging part of the movie for me, and it's just her doing chores. But outside of that, like I I was disappointed.
2: Yeah. I I definitely agree. I think the movie beautifully shot um and particularly i really like the ending on the on the beach Agreed. i thought it, it was a, it was a great ending um brought tears to my, to my eyes uh and what happens to her in the final uh, fourth of the movie is just heart-wrenching and i think that is kind of where the movie falls because yeah you get like the thematic resolution at the end with the, on the beach but when the moments happen where she's in the hospital right yeah and uh all these really unfortunate events are happening to her you never get a characterization of what she's experiencing how she actually feels you you see it happen to her and you think oh that's this is awful like oh my gosh and then you don't get any more depth to it like i really wish they would have decided to to go into more of how she was feeling. Because, like you said, Sam, I felt again, like, it was an amazing performance that was like, faulted by, unfortunately, the lack of depth. She, I just think they they never really went into her character and what was going on inside her mind. It was really up to the viewer's interpretation to kind of go into what she was actually feeling uh with that said too i also think the movie was a little bit long Um, long. at at times i found myself getting distracted Uh, i do think it is a a great movie um but i don't think it was necessarily deserving of best picture Corey, what were your opinions
0: i mean you guys you guys summed it up pretty well for me um the her performance is incredible. I do think it. it I commend Corone for making such a personal film. Yeah, like it does feel very personal. And um, I don't know if you guys know this, but like it is very much inspired by like a very similar figure in his own life. I think he. I think one of the little boys in the family is essentially him for all intents and purposes. Yeah. So uh, that is that is really cool. To be honest, I wasn't as impressed with the cinematography. I think you could call the shots very beautiful, and like and yes, they they are. But pretty much every scene. What it does is it sets the camera up in a sort of central location in the in in the space, and then it just kind of slowly pans to one side, and slowly pans to the other, and then sometimes I'll do something a little different, like you mentioned. I do think that is a great scene, the one that you allude to, where it does like a full rotation, but the camera movements are pretty much identical in every single uh, every single scene of the film, and I don't know. It just it, that to me felt a little grating after a while. It felt like a little, almost pretentious. Like, and I'm someone who I can watch very pretentious movies.
1: Damn, Corey, bringing out the P word.
0: Yeah, it just, it didn't, I don't know, it didn't resonate with me like the way it did with Samira. And the last thing I'll say on it is that I'm really actually, in a way, sad that Roma had to come out the year that it did and had to get the attention that it did. Because there is one other foreign black and white film that was released in in 2018. Cold and War? that did not get a nomination for Best Picture that I think would have gotten so much more attention had it not been up against a power of Roma. And yeah, I think you just mentioned it. It's Cold War, the Polish film, which is by a, a Pavel Pavelowski. It, it is a, an incredible, incredible film. Um, and it's a really, it's talking about Roma being kind of long. Cold War is very short, which is a, it makes it a very watchable film. If anybody hasn't seen it, I definitely recommend that.
1: If, if but, we're on the uh, topic, if uh, we're if on ahead. the topic, if we're on the topic of movies that got snubbed this year, I think all three of us will agree the best movie was not nominated, which is Hereditary. Um, oh, yeah. That is by far my yeah. favorite movie from this year. Oh, actually, wait. No, hold up. There's two, uh, two of my like top favorites ever. And that's also Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, that yeah. should have been nominated you as believe. well. Um, I would say as far as a movie pushing the animated genre and pushing the boundaries in it, uh, Spider-Man is um, Into the Spider-Verse is the top dog. Um, yeah. Definitely my favorite animated movie ever. Um, and then Hereditary being probably my favorite horror movie ever.
2: Yeah.
0: And again, I, Being nominated while those two films existed this year, it just will never never can click for me.
2: I was just going to say, Hereditary, Tony Coletti getting snubbed all across the, the film getting snubbed across the board just insane it really just reinvents horror uh and if there is any year to recognize horror other than i don't know way back with silence of the lambs i think this would have been the year agreed off of that i also think if any year for them to do it to recognize the superhero genre it should have been this year whether it for infinity war um on well, I mean, Infinity War was nominated for special effects. I yeah. mean, you you can argue it's best picture worthy. Uh, I just mean, in terms of I think Sp- Into the Spider Verse should have been nominated, and honestly, should have won. Uh, but just going yeah. off nominees, I think like Black Panther. I really enjoy Black Panther. It's not I I guess. Yeah, it, it's everything that kind of the Oscars goes against to a point. Superhero movie has an essentially an entirely Black ensemble cast. Um, I mean, it, it did win a few technical Oscars, if, I, if I'm pretty sure. It did. Um, but I think with those nominees up there, the only one that I think could have deserved to win... Uh, Well, actually, I think it it better, more than Green Book, Black Klansman, I think is also an excellent movie. But like leading up to Infinity War, or leading up to like, kind of the ultimate, ultimatum, ultimation, or whatever you say of the MCU. And I know, Sam, you're gonna get angry about this. But I mean, you can't deny that what they built is kind of crazy. And if they were going to recognize it at all, in the film industry, other than it just being a blockbuster smash, Black Panther was the black was was the movie to do it with. I just think like all around with the cast performances, uh, the visuals. I do have a few gripes about the movie. Um, I don't think it's like perfect by any means, uh, but I, I certainly think that it was more deserving than Green Book and could have been. A moment for the Oscars to actually recognize the superhero genre. So, yeah, you know, Black I, Panther I would have been
0: a, my best picture. I know I, I sit somewhere between you guys. Whenever we talk about, about Marvel movies, I'm not um, a hater like like Sam, but I think I I can be a little more critical of them as well at times. I I know I, Black Panther and Infinity War aren't are even close to some of my favorite Marvel films, um, but in the case of Black Panther specifically. Um, well, again, while it's not one of my favorites, I do think, and then you mentioned Black Klansman as well, which I'm curious for us to talk about that film a little bit, uh, in a, a little bit more in a second, but it really like sucks to me. It really is a, such a shame. And you know, we started this episode talking about a movie like Moonlight, really deserving that win and really being like a representative, you know, appropriate mm-hmm. film um, for the time um, and feeling like a sort of step forward for the Oscars. With nominees like Black Panther, Black Klansmen out there for the Academy to choose from, to choose a film like Green Book is not only like um, a, a disappointment, but it's like downright offensive, to be honest. And It, it's,
2: it, it, it really is. It's,
0: it's, it's such a slap in the face to the people of color, to the people who worked on these other films, uh, who by the way are people of color, uh, unlike Peter Ferrelli who directed Green Book. Uh, Unlike Nick Valyanga, who wrote the movie and is the son of Viggo Mortensen's character, who is um, allegedly even way more racist than he was depicted as in the film. and was very much whitewashed because his son wrote the movie to sort of like evangelize his own father uh, against Don Shirley's wishes, by the way. Don Shirley being Marshall Ali's character. That's just some interesting background on the movie. Wow. Shirley's family didn't even know this movie was being made and he had zero input in it. Green Book is not only a bad movie; it's an offensive one, and it's again a slap in the face to two of the better films dealing with race of the last decade in Black Panther, Black Panther.
2: Yeah, I think with Black Panther, like it's a movie that made over a billion dollars at the box office, huge success. It really just it normalizes having a majority black cast as a, a movie that is in mainstream theaters. Everyone is talking about it. I honestly, with it winning the three technical Oscars, I was actually shocked that it it didn't win. I fully thought it it was going to, uh, especially looking at the movies that are up there. I I really thought that it had uh, a great shot at winning. I'm honestly just... Green Book? I, I... yeah, like you said, it is offensive that it won. I, I, especially with the two other movies up there. Sam, what are your opinions? I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch uh, Black Panther. I have really no
1: opinion on it. Didn't watch Green Book. Um, didn't have any motivation to. I've pretty much only heard bad things um, from these movies that were nominated. I actually don't feel very strongly about many of them, which is interesting because I. When two absolute, two of absolutely some of my favorites um, were released this year. Um, I guess the one I'd have to pick is the one I just recently watched, which was the favorite. Um, and if you was told me favorite? that, uh, yeah, that was really good, Dane.
2: Um, <laughs>
0: Um, I wanted to if, make that joke. Uh, I'll, I'll say now that I also was gonna pick the favorite, but I was—I was, I had that line saved all night.
1: I've got a glad <laughs>
0: game with the one who said it instead.
1: That's, you guys—you know—great minds uh, think alike. So great <laughs> joke, you two. Very proud of both of you. Um, I will say that if you told me that my favorite movie of this group was gonna be a period piece by Yargos Lanthimos, who I just watched *The Lobster*, rewatched it. And did not like it at all, um, actually, which we can talk about later, but um, probably off air. but yeah, did not did not think the lobster held up all that well. Great ending, but I thought the last half of that movie was is not very good. But the favorite is just really, really fun. Like just an engaging movie, great performances throughout. Um, I think the ending Corey will talk about. Uh, At nauseum, most likely, but the ending is really, really good. Um, just really, really fun dialogue. Like the fact that we're getting a period piece saying the c-word. Like I'm all for that. Like just kind of subverting. Um, like the way they use fisheye lenses. Like very modern day shots within a period piece. Um, just a, a really fun and, and tight movie. Um, probably. I, I, I like. I hesitate to say like by far my favorite because I also really do like A Star Is Born and Black Klansman. Um, a Star is born. Really, you like? That? Yeah, I, I actually really like that movie. I, 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 I was
2: a, I was a big fan of A Star Is Born too. Yeah, I, uh, I wasn't gonna. Right, I, won't,
0: I won't start that one, but I'm surprised. I that one didn't do it for me.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Whatever, Um uh, So, Corey, I'm gonna. So you, the favorite was also your your favorite as Dane would. He trademarked that, by the way.
0: Yeah, tra- trademark that copyright. Yeah, it was, and, and um, it was a, this was a tough one for me. But I will say, as much as I hate most of the movies this year, uh, the favorite is um, an all time favorite for me. Um, and but another one that I really liked this year was Black Klansman. I really really struggle with that one. Um, and I, I would like, as if none of us end up picking it, I don't know um, where we else to, I, I would. I guess we've already revealed our choices. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I I really like Black Klansman. I I I do hope. We'll go go and seek that one out for some reason. I feel like it did kind of feel, fall to the wayside a little bit. Um after what I after watching it, I thought it was about to pick up momentum as like the most important film of the year. Uh and I still think it was just in terms of subject matter and what it accomplishes. Spike lee's a director I'll always really respect. And this did sort of feel like a return to form for him after he kind of went through a bit of a more like experimental phase for a good part of the uh the past ten years or so. The Black Landsman, really, really awesome. Again, a film that I just think If the academy was looking to recognize something dealing with race uh this would have been the the film not green book but yeah let's talk about the favorite because it it is to me a fantastic film i really like yorgos lanthimos uh in general but i do think that the favorite is his best because i think while I, i find him to be a very good writer i i will admit that it takes a lot of patience to deal with uh the writing in something like the lobster or the killing of a sacred deer where it's very dry and very sort of methodical. Uh, I find it really cool, but I can totally understand if it's not not your vibe. However, this script, which is not written by Yorges Lanthimos, but he was tapped to, to direct it, it feels like the perfect marriage with his style. You know, He'll still give you something like those fisheye lenses and those random canted angles, and he'll still um, encourage the actors to do that kind of strange, uncomfortable delivery that uh, you know Olivia Coleman and Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone absolutely kill it with in this movie. Same with Nicholas Holt, who I think is a really underrated performance here. Uh, one of my favorite performances of the year. I was hoping he'd get a nod for Best Supporting Actor in this one. I think this is again, it's 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 just a like, uh, a really perfect blend of what Lanthimos can do with that sort of that sort of awkward, strange, out of the blo- out of the box moments with a script that is a little more fast paced and snappy uh, and exciting, as, as Sam sort of alluded to. Uh, I. I adored this film, and I, I actually I tend to like period pieces too. I really, I like this setting a lot, but I like even more how they sort of modernize it and make it feel a little a little more fresh. It's one that I again I, I maybe I'm I, my perception is wrong when I say all these films have sort of fallen to the wayside, but nothing in this group it pains me to say this. But outside of Black Panther and unfortunately probably Bohemian Rhapsody, it's like nothing in this group has been like very widely seen by audiences. Yeah. I hope more people seek out the favorite because I think it 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 would be a lot of other people's favorite too. To
1: to your point, it was a it was a year of blockbusters. Like we have Black Panther, we have Spider Man into the Spider Verse, we have Infinity Infinity War. War, You have Solo. You have Incredibles two. You have Aquaman, I guess, and Venom. You have
0: Aquaman. Aquaman's an underrated movie.
1: Yeah, you have but you have a bunch a bunch of uh, you have Mamma Mia you know the the sequel to that like this was a year of,
0: they named the sequel mamma mia here we go again which of course is a song lyric but is also like straight up saying
1: mamma like, this mia this is here, gonna be fucking go. terrible yeah this is gonna be really bad <laughs> isn't it yeah it was it was a year of blockbusters and a lot of these and a lot of the dramas made were very methodical and slower paced and the juxtaposition of the two led to i think a lot of people not watching um the movies that were nominated this year and i can't really blame them this is yeah. like we said a kind of weak crop um but, but I, again
0: i will blame them if they have seen the rhapsody and not others because that is just that's a bad bad movie. <laughs> yeah. i could record three episodes by myself ranting for an hour and a half about how much i hate it <laughs>
1: <laughs> never forget when that was picked in the first round of our movie oh, draft, no. and Corey and I just sat there in silence. We were like, Oh man, <laughs> shit yeah. love you, Raul. But I we know, I went like,
2: in the walkover we the were other were like smack like, him.
1: Yeah, we were like, Raul, what are you doing? Dude? <laughs> that was yeah. funny. All right, 2019?
2: Yeah, oh baby,
1: here we go. All
0: right, so here we are at the most recent Oscar ceremony. This feels like a lifetime ago, but this actually occurred in 2020. and I we're, were just briefly talking, and we're saying that this was pretty much the last positive moment of 2020. Everything sort of went south after this ceremony. And the Oscar goes to... Parasite. But yeah, let's get into it. A really interesting crop of films here that came out just a year ago. We have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the latest from Quentin Tarantino. We have 1917, Marriage Story, Little Women, Joker, Jojo Rabbit, Irishman, Ford versus Ferrari. And the winner that year in a landmark victory was Bong jun hos Parasite. So let's get some thoughts here. Dane, we'll start with you. Who do you think deserved the Oscar this year? Did the Oscars get it right in making history by selecting the first ever foreign film in Bong jun hos Parasite?
2: All right. So... All these movies, I think this is one of the best years for the Oscars. I personally enjoyed every movie on here. I do think uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and The Irishman were both not the best showcases for Scorsese and for Tarantino. Um, and Joker, I love Joker. I know both of you aren't. Or I, Sam Sam likes it. Corey, I know Corey does not. I like it. So going with my my two favorite films this year, Jojo Rabbit, Taika Taika Petiti thought the movie was so sweet, cried multiple times, just all around a beautiful film that was so endearing and had Hitler as a main character, or not necessarily a main character, but an integral part of the story all around. Love the film. But I think the Oscars absolutely made the most perfect decision and celebrated decision with Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. Personally, I think Parasite is a masterpiece and I think it is one of the most original films ever made. Um I remember I saw this movie in theaters with a group of people and I you know what like when you experience something that is so breathtaking or you you i was just left speechless speechless walking out of there i was like it was a comedy it was a drama it was a thriller it had horror elements to it i was on the edge of my seat the entire time and i was emotionally connected to every character it was quick it was a gorgeous movie it was brilliant i just absolutely adore parasite i've seen it 3 times since um it's come out Oh, oh my God! I, I just, I love this movie. I want to hear what you guys have to say about it too.
0: Yeah, Sam will go to you.
1: Okay, uh, so, so, okay, it's, it's a very similar thing to Moon, to the Moonlight twenty sixteen year. Did the Oscars get it right? One hundred percent, they got it right. This is the movie that should have won. Um, this is one of the best foreign films in you know the past this millennium. Um, Bong Joon Ho is. Such a fantastic director, um, and dude Song kong Ho. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Yeah. The dad, yeah. one of the best performances, you know, ever. Like, there's I, it's,
0: he, he and Bonjun Ho go way back too. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's,
1: he's in he's in Mother. He's in uh, Memories of Murder. Like, he's in all yeah. of like Jun Ho's movies. Um, to cut you
2: off real quick, was he nominated for Best Actor? Yeah. Don't,
1: I don't think he was, which is besides like the uncut gem snub, like one of the biggest snubs I, of last I year. I completely
2: agree. I was dumbfounded that he wasn't nominated.
1: So, to my point about Parasite, Parasite to me would have been a perfect movie had they ended it at the garden scene. I don't think the last 20 minutes are needed, wanted or liked by myself. I don't... I don't... <laughs> <laughs> like, I just... Well, you I just
0: that like a representative statement? And I, I think, just said, oh,
1: myself. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think if Parasite ends with the garden scene, which, like, let's talk about, like, you know, one of the all-time great cinema moments. Like, I don't think anyone can deny the power, the shock, the, like... I guess the kind of realization that it makes sense to when it's happening like what a fucking amazing moment and and it's been building so well like the pacing of parasite is fucking awesome like so good but dude like you can end it there it's done like the climax has happened i don't like the falling a- the falling action in this movie um i won't remember parasite by that last 15 minutes, I'll always remember it by the end of the garden scene. Um, And I, I'm going to let you guys talk about Parasite more before I bring up what my favorite movie of this year was. Also,
0: I'll say this about about, um, about this crop in general. Not only do I think Parasite wins, I think it wins by a large margin. Yeah. I'm actually pretty down on most of these films. I actually love The Irishman. I think The Irishman is Facts. a really... I love that movie. Beautiful combination. for sort of, sort of up until this point. But like, that's a separate conversation. I think Parasite's an easy choice out of this group. Um, I'll share a brief anecdote about it. Um, and, you know, I think I've mentioned my, you know, my, the opportunity I received to go to the Tell Your Own Film Festival on this podcast before. And I think everybody wishes I would God shut the fuck man. up about it.
1: Shut the fuck <laughs> uh, up, dude.
0: I got to say, I mean, so I was lucky enough to, to see Uncut Gems there, first off, which was already an incredible, incredible moment. That movie absolutely should have been nominated here. Adam Sandler should have certainly been nominated and won Best Actor.
1: Facts. But uh,
0: that moment kicked off the festival for me, and I thought at that point I already had seen the best movie I'm going to see at this festival. I didn't know that uh, I was going to be lucky enough to see this movie that was getting a lot of buzz because it had just won uh, the Palme d'Or at Cannes, uh, and I was going to get to see its director in a Q&A as well. And that movie was Parasite. Yeah, so, I, I, um, yeah, so I so was I was lucky enough to attend the Q a for Parasite uh, listen to bong joon Ho talk about this film. He shared some interesting things specifically about the subtitles and how uh, for Korean audiences this film was probably even better than it could ever be for our uh, American asses because mm. um, there are, are some some in moments in the in the sub the English subtitles where the translation, is just ever so slowly off intentionally so from the Korean and again I, I without knowing a lick of Korean I can't really explain how this works but um essentially those translations uh are kind of like inside jokes for Korean audiences and and apparently this is something that he does in a lot of his films where he uh he he, he talked about this I think in his acceptance speech at the Oscars where he encouraged people to watch movies with subtitles um, and he believes very much in watching foreign films um, so uh, in that spirit, he sort of plays with the subtitles as part of what he does with his films. I just really, thought that was a really, really. cool little, little anecdote, um, and kind of me want to learn Korean just just to, just to get it, soak even more out of this incredible film. But yeah, this had I watched this uh, at my local theater back home, I think I would have felt this way. But especially in such a thrilling environment like the film festival, this was easily the most fun I've ever had inside a movie theater. I mean, you sit down for this, and again, there was a lot of buzz around it at the time. Uh, we my some of the friends that I was there with we had just barely gotten to the theater because everybody there wanted to see parasite it was the movie to see because it, it was coming fresh out of camp but it still like I could have never uh, my expectations could not have been high enough you know what I mean it, it was so so much fun like Dane said it continues to reinvent itself as it goes on It's at least four or five maybe six different genres uh, it, it's and it's just so full of, of laughs and surprises. Uh, and, and just again it's it's really just i think Dane hit, hit on the head it is a masterpiece it might actually not even be my favorite bong jun ho movie i think that would be memories of murder i really 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 love that movie but that that's just a testament to him as a director and how good he is uh the parasite is very much up there as far as what sam had to say about the ending uh i very much disagree i don't think we need to get into like a deep sort of analysis of what the film sort of means but i think we all know parasite is very overtly about class and and capitalism um and I think that that ending is very necessary to sort of represent the sort of cycle that Bong Joon-ho is trying to get at the like the very overt levels that exist with the the basement and the house and, and you know one being on top of each other the, the father having to go down into the basement only to re-emerge once his family has bought the house there's a lot of really interesting stuff I think that's wrapped up in in that ending that I think is very necessary to sort of, any sort of analysis you were to do of the film. Again, we don't have to get into that. I'd love to do a Parasite only episode if you guys want to have the conversation. I, I will uh, But know. I think it's very
2: important. I will say, Corey, I, with the ending too, I think it is very necessary. You thematically said exactly what I was going to say with it being a cycle. And honestly, for me, the last for the last shot of the movie was perfect. Cycle, you have the opening shot and the last shot night and day same shot it's like bookends it really makes to me it just made the movie complete it just it i just get chills thinking about it
0: yeah (laughs) you know one of the things that that i i've been inadvertently doing throughout uh this sort of oscars uh decade in review has been shitting on steven spielberg like i didn't mean to but i've just been doing that um but a director that i think has very much followed in spielberg's footsteps is bong joon ho You know, classic Vintage Spielberg was great because he knew how to take one genre and make it five, and that's exactly what Bong Joon-ho does with with his films, and taking, you know, a movie like Parasite that just looks like a family drama, and now it's a comedy, now it's a horror film, now it's a thriller. You could say that about a movie like Mother, now it's a a, a crime drama, but all of a sudden it's also a comedy, it's also a horror film. His movies never limit themselves to one genre, um, and I think that's a really that sounds like something that you know you, you hear that description and you're like oh plenty of movies have some humor in them and have some some different shocking moments they're all multiple genres but to actually incorporate traits that we associate with so many different genres and then transform your way of filming a different scene in accordance with different genres is is much more rare than you might think and Ho is the rare director to get that right um and for that reason um i i i i can't even imagine what it would be like this is the last thing i'll say about it. i know I'm, I'm ranting a lot about this amazing movie but i can't imagine what it'd be like to actually be a person um of korean descent or really anyone from asia or really anyone out who's not white to to see a movie like that win i think at the oscars this year i i really hope that did feel like a special moment for audit for for those viewers and for those film lovers because even for me as like you know i'm just i'm just some white dude right but i still felt like this was something special this was something different this did really feel like a milestone for the Oscars, uh, and it was definitely the most giddy I've ever felt seeing a best picture yeah. winner get. I was, I think, I literally screened at my at my television set, and usually I just kind of nod my head and turn the, the broadcast off afterwards.
2: Yeah, I I have to go, yeah, but I'll, go. I'll give my my final little statement. Yeah, Parasite. Oh my god, love it so much. <laughs> oh my god, I, guess, I, I thought about myself. it for for months afterward, and would constantly just watching videos. Unbelievable film, something so so fresh. I think the Oscars made the perfect decision with this movie. And like you said, Corey, I like cheered when they won. I was so excited. And even like our like culture as a whole, I feel like Parasite when it won, it was celebrated. And the s- sweetest damn thing that come from it. I'll end it with this, is that picture of Bong, Joon- Bong Joon-ho holding his Oscars, making them kiss. That is the last good moment of 2020, and maybe the last good moment in American history, but <laughs> it comes from Parasite. Watch Parasite. Alright, I gotta go. Alright, you out about this part, but I. alright, I'll see you guys. Love you, Dave. See you, day, see buddy. buddy. 20.
0: All right, as the lone Parasite representative left, I'll, I'll wrap up our discussion that film, but I do really want to hear uh, where everybody else stands on. But it's still, again, I, an interesting crop of films with some other uh, definitely deserving standouts in there.
1: I mean, Corey, I'm shocked that you don't love the movies that were released this year. I, I like, love a lot of these movies. Like I, it, like, I feel like the best compliment for Parasite is how mad that Trump trump got when it won like i feel I like arguing arguing that parasite shouldn't have won and just like <laughs> but then re- reflecting on the fact that he's like i like movies that don't have subtitles and i'm like god damn it <laughs> like how do you even argue any other point this stupid fucking <laughs> asshole <laughs> but
3: like, so i think and i think like I, I was gonna bring up trump's comment in my field too um it's really interesting so one thing that he said obviously everything that he says is inflammatory but what he said was that like his i guess the emotional gripe of his comment was that an american movie didn't win best picture at the oscars and my take on that i've been thinking about that um obviously a lot of people agreed with them that like oh this is america why didn't an american movie win blah blah blah. and i think from the oscar standpoint despite Parasite being as awesome of a movie as it is, it's actually a genius move on their part, because I think it's actually pretty straightforward too when you think about it in the sense that whenever you recognize something like Parasite or something of international acclaim, they are also adding weight to what the Oscar recognition even means. Like, I think that it's, it's, it's interesting because we have a foreign film category but now it's also kind of saying that, like, oh, you know, for any international picture or anything, the Oscars, if it gets nominated, is something to be like, oh, wow, like, you know, we got an Oscar. But I think the I think a movie like Parasite is far above the Academy and the Oscars. But I, I just thought it was interesting because I think that even giving Parasite that recognition um, is 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 kind of like in inherently in that weird way, elevates what the Oscar even means that like, oh, this is an award that we can give to international movies as
0: well. Um, yeah, I think you make a really interesting point there just because I think a lot the fear with Parasite, I think everyone knew it was definitely gonna win best foreign film or best international mm-hmm. film, I think is now what they call the category. But I think the fear was that, and this was kind of the fear with Roma and ended up obviously being the case, you know the oscars had always sort of right left that international film just in that category and said all right whatever we recognize it there we don't need to recognize it as best picture even if it is maybe the best picture it'll be interesting to see in future years um how that sort of changes their nominating process their decision process as to who wins and the kind of movies that get made are we going to get started seeing more foreign films uh getting big releases in the u.s i think you make a really interesting point there Mm -hmm. and yeah like I think that it's a necessary step for
3: the Oscars, and I think it's it's a great step because I just think it'd be a lot more fun too if if you know hopefully we get more movies because you know the cycle tends to be that like maybe hopefully there's another like the next Bong Joon Ho or the next um, you know director from a country who fears that subtitles you know lazy Americans won't read their subtitles which is really true um, oh, it's but facts. hopefully yeah it's I mean, it's facts, but hopefully this prefer- yeah this this inspires more movies like Parasite, and hopefully that leads to more recognition. The Oscars because of it is a better ceremony. That being said, i'm gonna talk about my favorite movies and- tw- what I think of twenty nineteen um weirdly enough, I think that twenty nineteen is a really strong year for movies. But I wasn't so hot on the nominees. Out of the nominees, I definitely think that Parasite um, definitely deserves it for all the reasons that, you know, I don't want to belabor the point. Obviously, Corey and Dane touched upon it. The one thing I will say about Parasite is that the reason why it was so globally successful, and I can't put it any better than Bong Joon-ho, he said that the movie has language. And... It has a concept that cuts through all cultures, countries, languages. We're all dealing with one enemy and that enemy is capitalism. It cuts straight through for that reason. People loved it in India. People loved it in the U S people loved it worldwide because everybody is stuck in this system where it seems that the rich just live infinitely better lives. And it's just so inherently unfair. Um, and that, obviously, I think we're at a point now, too, where if you look at even the other nominees, like Uncut Gems, also about, you know, the the follies of late-stage capitalism. Uncut wasn't nominated. Um, I, I know, I know, but like the other movies that came out this year. Um, so I think it's, it's interesting that we're also at this, I mean, I know the word tipping point is used, and I don't want to be overly dramatic here, but I think that Maybe it has to do with social media. Maybe it has to do with general trends. Obviously, the coronavirus pandemic hasn't helped this sentiment. Um, The differences between classes has been increasingly stark. And I think this is the perfect time for a movie like Parasite to be released. Um, And I'm so glad it did well. So the thought is in everyone's minds. And now more people are thinking about it. And hopefully more movies will be made about um, issues like this. Um, And I know Bong has... Yeah, like a lot of his filmography is about this, like obviously Snowpiercer and um his his other movies as well.
0: Uh, one thing okay, I want to say was- that I hope cuz I really hope you're right and I totally totally agree, but mm-hmm. I think one of the, the funny sort of running jokes with Parasite was uh, how many celebrities loved it and get oh, yeah. totally missed the point. Yeah. I remember? I think with Chrissy Teigen got out, destroyed she, on she, yeah.
1: because she had tweeted about her mo- grandma, her mom losing her iPhone watch every single day, and how it, yeah. and then tweeted <laughs> "Parasites" her favorite movie. It's like, yeah,
0: yeah, it's like, she, she almost certainly lives in a house that looks exactly like that one. You know what I mean? Yeah, and um, so I think like that's funny to see how how blissfully ignorant Americans can be. But I do agree. I think the vast majority of viewers, obviously. Uh, got the point of that film, and I think hopefully it is uh, planting seeds for something much, making it much more significant.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
3: yeah,
1: I will say I will say to my point about Parasite, just real quick, is that if you are into deep film analysis, it is the best movie in maybe the past ten years to analyze. Um, there is so much to it; it's such a complex movie. It, you know, we've already talked at nauseum about like the capitalist. Uh, critique that is uh, throughout the movie. Um, yeah, if you're if you're into deep form film analysis, like Parasite, really is the movie for you. As well as it's very accessible to pretty much anyone. But if you're really into that that section of uh, filmography, then uh, Parasite really does it for you. Mm-hmm. So Samir, at this point in the episode, goes on like a twenty minute long rant about. Midsummer, uh I decided to delete that rant because Midsummer was not nominated for best picture that year. As well as this has already been a pretty long episode, but I did include the final minute of Samir talking about it, so you can also hear Corey and I yell at him for taking so long to talk about this movie.
3: I've seen that come up in so many different forms of media, obviously FK Twigs, for any Twigs fans out there, the she made the like um modeled one of her whole videos on the concept of midsummer, And I, I keep saying like, you know, it was a lot, of, maybe it's just because I'm looking for it and maybe there's a little bit of a selection bias there. But I think that that is one of those images that's just so original and unique and just cuts to the forefront of like the visual tapestry um, films uh, kind of weave, you know, in our, in our collective consciousness. So midsummer, anyways, I can, I can make it, you know, a whole episode. So here, I'm what
1: gonna... was your favorite movie? What yeah. was your favorite? You just talked about *Midsummer* for twenty minutes. Well, dog that, that wasn't even nominated.
3: I said *Parasite* in the beginning. So
1: wait, you said oh *Parasite* was your favorite? Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I, I. Said oh, okay. Parasite.
1: I thought I thought you were getting. I thought you were. After this, gonna say what your favorite was. No, no, no. Okay, I, I, okay. I
3: already said Parasite, but I just wanted to talk about these two movies so badly. I know I i, I don't even care if I'm eating up time. I just <laughs> you ate up out.
1: so much time, dog.
0: Uncut jam.
3: Yeah, so those, those yeah, Those are
1: great ones.
0: films, uh, and both to me two of my favorites of, of the year. And I sort of came to this conclusion to sort of reconcile the fact that they were nominated. The Safdie Brothers and um Raster. Yes, yeah, so Ari Aster directed *Midsummer*. Safety brothers Uncut *Cut Gems*. They're doing something so unique, so different, and so impressive in film that they both both of those guys or all three of those guys they will force the Academy's hand sooner rather than later. Yeah. I'm very confident that, that they that they will all be made, that, that they will continue to make great films, um, and will will again just just eventually force the Academy's hand. To give them their their due. I'm sad that Adam Sandler won't necessarily get that attention for because yeah. that really was a powerhouse performance. Yeah. But um, I mean, Florence
2: sometimes P- Florence Pugh really too should have won. Another.
0: Yeah, exactly. Florence Pugh another one. At least she's another one who's young actress. I'm oh, certain guaranteed.
1: She's
0: already one of the best actresses of our generation. I think she's already that talented. I mean, she's so good. Um, little so, women. Like, I look like at young directors like yeah, like Florence Pugh, like. Or I look at actors like Florence P. when I look at directors like Safety Brothers or Ari Aster. I'm like, you know what? It's a young career and I'm certain that they're going to uh, get their award recognition soon rather than later.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I will say Midsummer was probably, I wouldn't know. Parasite was definitely my favorite viewing experience because I watched it with my family and my sister was so, my sister's really into like uh, South Korean anime and movies. So she was like super, super into it. So it was super fun to watch it with her. But Midsummer was fun because I was in front. I was behind a group of, like, Pike kids, and they were, like, after the movie ended, they were all, like, with their girlfriends, too, and they were all, like, dude, that movie blew. What the fuck? Like, it was so weird, and I was, like, nah, that... I, like, immediately called Samir and was, like, that movie was, I was, like, that movie was fucking amazing, dude. So good. Um, So I guess we get to the final bad opinion in which I have and how I don't have Parasite I as mean,
0: yeah, my favorite. Kind of like, at this point, probably a half hour ago. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, so definitely some editing that's going <laughs> to come out. But uh, <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. my favorite movie of 2019 uh, is Marriage Story. Um, and I, I'm going to say, honestly, I'm glad this movie did not win. Because this movie would have gotten the Green Book treatment to the fucking max had it won over Parasite. Everyone would have been that's like, really it's I've a thought about that. Every- You're definitely right. Everyone would have been like, "This is just a fucking basic story, like about two mean, like, like rich white people getting divorced. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, but dude, I like, I like the Marriage Story lives rent free in my head. Like, I think about this movie all the time. Like, I just think it's so good. Like, it's so, dude, it's like so romantic for a movie about divorce. Like, it's, it's like, I
3: think it's Noah Baumbach's best."
1: Yeah, dude, I mean, he has some great movies. Uh, he, he has some great yeah. movies, but I just like this movie just lives rent-free in my head. Like I think it's so good, um, so beautiful, like such great acting and just like a very relatable story that like honestly, you can see I think all of us unfortunately can probably see this happening to ourselves at some point in our lives and it's just like a very um, I guess relatable movie, uh if that sounds, you know. I guess we're- I, I
3: would say Joker was probably the most relatable for me this year. <laughs> <laughs> it's after the Joker, probably Marriage Story. Yeah,
1: and, yeah. So like I, I said my hot take where Parasite's not even in my top three. That's actually not true. Parasite is my second favorite movie from this year. Uh, I was just getting Dane all worked <laughs> up by saying that, it, and like, and like I just said, like, Parasite should have won this year. It did, thank God, because I get to live. Uh, happily knowing that the marriage story will not get shit on as hard as it would have if it had won Best Picture, which I mean I don't think it was a front runner. I think it was like maybe third or fourth in the betting. A lot of people thought 1917 was gonna win, which I'm really yeah, glad to win. I hated that because that was because, because because that was literally just an RPG as movie form, and yeah. fuck war movies, they're never interesting. I Literally do
3: not care. NPC level dialogue.
1: NPC level
0: dialogue. Like,
3: yeah,
1: it, it honestly. You have to go here now. Like, shut up. I don't give a shit. And the, the thing yeah, that
0: 1917 was really, uh, really lucky. I, I was, I, I was worried that was the film going into that night. I remember thinking, shit, this is really gonna win. And I, as, as it won some of the more technical awards, its case just sort of grew throughout the night. Yeah, marriage story. I'm with you though, Sam. I think it's a. Really great film, whereas we, we talked a little bit earlier about Roma for whatever reason, despite being accessible on Netflix, not really reaching a big audience. I think Marriage Story is the, is the opposite. I think it really benefited from its Netflix release and yeah. has gained a really large audience as a result. Um, it's kind of lived on, I think, in meme form as well with the sort of Adam Driver punching the punching the yeah. wall, yeah. Uh, which always always helps, but maybe hurts depending on who, <laughs> who you ask. Um, but I, I think it's it's a really great film, really beautiful, but yet very funny, um, as you mentioned.
2: Samir? <laughs> keep going. Okay. Um.
0: Yeah, I don't have uh, I don't want to belabor the point too much after we dedicated so much time and attention to to Parasite, but I can't disagree with you on Marriage Story. I think it's a perfectly respectable choice. Uh, but I, I do think in a year like this, where you know we sort of have alluded to this throughout the the uh, all of these these reviews we've done, and this is kind of, one of the, maybe the last question I'll pose to you guys as we close the show here is: What do you think the Oscar decision is supposed to represent? And the reason I bring that up is because you know you could choose a film like *Marriage Story*, which I mean I don't think *Marriage Story* is better than *Parasite*. But you, if you thought it was a better film, you could choose it, right? Um, but are we limiting what wins best picture to what we think is the best picture? Or are we sort of accounting for a bit of a, of a social impact? You know, I mean, we had talked a little bit about Moonlight and, and Green Book and sort of the social implications of those films winning. How do you guys view the Oscar decision when you sort of made your own decision here? Were you weighing some of these uh these options? Or do you think the Academy should be weighing these options? I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it because I'm not sure. Where I stand, I think every year is a new year and there are different ways to approach it. But um, you know, inevitably that you're gonna face this sort of dilemma with depending on the whatever films you face.
3: You know, I think that is a really interesting question, and it's a super like after all this, like we did two episodes now about the Oscars, uh, despite us hating the Oscars so much. Um, but I think that is, you know, the final if there is a final question to be left with, it's that. And where I stand on it is this I think that, you know, with movies being as subjective as they are and film being as subjective as it is, what it comes down to is that the academy holds weight. And I think Sam put it really well in the last episode when he said, um, you know, they do kind of end up being this barometer for where we stand and what kind of movies will get made. Um, In that sense, if that is the reality, whether intentional or unintentional, I personally think then recognizing movies that will spur a positive social movement or a progressive social movement or necessary change um, in society is probably the best use of that power that the academy holds. Because I think that if we get into, okay, well, the best picture truly is the technical best picture as is defined by cinema textbooks and such and such, um, then this then the debate can go on for on and on and on and on. Um, but I think that to make really the best use of the weight and the power that the Academy has, I think, you know, I, I don't think we will ever be in a position where a genuinely bad film wins best picture just because it is, um, or it it will be socially progressive or something like that. I don't think that was ever the case. And I don't think that will ever be the case. But I think that recognizing movies that do uh, have or will have that social impact, and 98% of the time, 99% of the time, they will be good too, is really important. So that's just where I stand on that in terms of recognize those pictures that will have the best social impact, because um, that's the best use of the power the Academy has.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 in a very similar frame of mind to Samir. Like I mean, at the end of the day, the academy wants film the 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 film industry to do well. And really the only way that the film industry does well is if we make stories that are topical to the experience of uh, experiences of everyone um, that watches movies. And if if it continues the trend that we're in like that's honestly the best trend we could ever ask for because like we talked about how like you know it's a, a cyclical of like the new Bong jun ho gets um you know into directing stuff like that like the 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 movie industry can only benefit so um i don't think it really it really matters if it's the actual best picture i think it more is an indication of is this does this achieve a certain level of excellence in storytelling and technicality um, and technique? Um, And does it also say something greater about the society we live on for these years? The hope is we look back and all the movies that win best picture are topical or have aged somewhat well. Um, Obviously they've gotten it wrong. I think green book for as much as it was a horrible pick for that year um, was a, a needed kick in the ass for the Oscars to kind of, you know, get with the times. Um, And, like, when I say I disagree, like, with, you know, um, Parasite not winning, that would never mean that, like, I don't think Parasite should have been the rightful winner. I think movies like Parasite should continuously, year after year, push the boundaries, and, you know, be the best picture, because they represent more than just the film's, um, that they are like the pieces of art. They they represent something greater for um, the people that watch them and society as a whole.
0: Yeah, and I, I think you guys put it pretty well, I think. Uh, pretty much one of you said it, but you know, as long, you know, storytelling and film and any form of art should just inevitably reflect the times. So um, it really doesn't have to be intentional, I suppose, because just by virtue of, being a, a new movie, you should be speaking to the moment in one way or another, whether you're doing it through the lens of sci fi the way Arrival does, in a very, you know, maybe more abstract way, or something like uh, Get Out or Moonlight, which is very overtly trying to tackle issues of race. You know, so there, there are so many different ways to approach this that I agree, good storytelling will, will always just get it done one way or, or another. And I think along those same lines, the Oscars picking the best film should inevitably pick the one that speaks to our moment the best it doesn't is it doesn't have to be a thought or a conscious decision it's something that should just happen i think you get green book when you're trying to maybe make it happen i'm not saying i know what's going on in the voters minds but i feel like you pick a green book because you're trying to to to, to pick a movie that feels about like it's about race and it feels like it, it's going to unite our country because it's about a white guy and a black man in the in the 1960s south learning to to love each other you know i think you pick those kinds of stories because you're trying to you're trying to speak to our moment and that doesn't really end too well if they truly just pick the best film that year we probably do end up with something like like uh black Klansman, where we're we're now di- just dissecting issues of race or they pick something like the favorite uh where we're like oh wow like you know they're talking about power dynamics and how leaders can be corrupted or they pick something like Roma where we're like, wow, we're, we're celebrating, uh, you know, Mexican culture and an entirely different culture. You know, it, it just kind of happens when you when you pick the right film. And, I, it, and I, I think it doesn't happen when you try a little too hard in, in the other direction. Are there any other final thoughts on that?
1: No, it's well said.
0: All right, well, I think uh, that, that was a, gonna be a pretty decent uh, time length in terms of episodes until we decided to dedicate so much time and attention to Parasite, and, and Samir to Midsummer, But those, those are plans that yeah, <laughs> uh, I think, I think deserve that you. much more attention. I had a lot of fun doing this, guys. With, uh, with Halloween coming up, I think we're planning on maybe getting into something horror-related in a future episode. Uh, but everyone stay tuned for that. You know, got a lot of exciting things coming your way. For Samir, Sam, and Dane, who couldn't be with us to sign out here, I am Corey. Don't hit us for starting a movie podcast. See you next time.